welcome to EDUC 530's podcast on HLPs, that's High Leverage Practices. Today we're going to be talking about five of the 22 different HLPs and their importance in education. I'm your host, Drea, and I'm also going to be joined by my good friends, Leah and Nicole. This podcast is intended to shine light on these practices and provide more information for parents, teachers, administrators, or service providers of individuals with disabilities. One might ask, why are HLPs important? There are 22 HLPs designed to meet the most foundational and critical practices that best help students succeed in the classroom. The HLPs can become the foundation of a cohesive practice-based teacher education curriculum. The HLPs are applicable and important to the everyday work of teachers. They focus on instructional practices and are research-based. The HLPs focus on the four areas of collaboration, assessment, social-emotional behavioral practice, and instruction. The first HLP we will be discussing is HLP number three, titled Collaborate with Families to Support Student Learning and Secure Needed Services. This HLP focuses on the collaboration component of a student's educational journey. It highlights that it is the teacher's responsibility to have open communication with families to ensure that they are informed about their rights as well as the special education processes. It is also the teacher's responsibility to effectively communicate with families to understand their background, socioeconomic status, language, culture, and priorities. The teacher should act as an advocate for the student to ensure that they receive all resources necessary to help students meet their goals. The teacher should also encourage students to be self-advocates and to have self-determination. Families should also be self-advocates to help support their children's learning. To advocate means to support or argue for, and self-determination is the process by which a person controls their own life. The number one goal of collaboration is ensuring student success. One key principle of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA for short, is the importance of family professional partnerships. Family professional partnerships refer to the relationships in which families and professionals agree to build on each other's expertise and resources for the purpose of making and implementing decisions that will directly benefit students and indirectly benefit family members and professionals. There are seven principles of effective partnerships, and those are communication, professional competence, respect, commitment, equality, advocacy, and trust. Studies have shown that when there is effective collaboration, families feel less stressed, experience a greater quality of life, and express higher levels of satisfaction with education and related services. An example of the implementation of HLP3 in the classroom would be hosting a family night in the beginning of the year so that the teacher and families can get to know each other and establish a connection. The next HLP that we will be discussing is HLP number five, and this one falls in the assessment category. It is to interpret and communicate assessment information with stakeholders to collaboratively design and implement educational programs. The teacher's responsibility for this HLP is to involve families in the assessment process, goal development, and goal implementation process. It is also the responsibility of the teacher to help explain the purpose of these assessments. It's also important to keep in mind the differences in culture and language when interpreting this data. The data that we are referring to is the information that is derived from the different assessments that go on the year prior. 
This is used to develop IEPs or ITPs and are based on standards, provide accommodation and modification information, and also focus on fair grading procedures. According to the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, stakeholders need to be viewed as an important and vital part of the evaluation process. High-quality IEPs are the most important factor in providing assistance to students with disabilities. Teachers need to consider the strengths and weaknesses when working with families and other members of the IEP team to create the goals. IEP teams must include the parents, at least one general education teacher, at least one special education teacher, an administrator, an interpreter of evaluation results, and this can be one of the already listed members, others who interact with a child, and when appropriate, the child themselves. Research has shown that parental involvement oftentimes leads to improved student outcomes. In conclusion, to exemplify this HLP, at an IEP meeting, the teacher should come with data that has been collected over the past month or even year. Teachers work to explain this data to the family or other members of the IEP team and make sure that everyone understands what they are looking at. Together, the IEP team then works collaboratively to identify which goals need to be addressed and how they're going to be addressed. Overall, this process should focus on the student needs and what is the best way to support them. The Social Emotional Behavioral Practice HLP we will be going over is HLP number 8. HLP number 8 is providing positive and constructive feedback to guide students' learning and behavior. The purpose of this HLP is to guide students' learning towards positive behaviors. We want to increase their motivations, their engagement, and their overall independence. Just like if we were trying to master an academic skill, the teachers would want students to build up that skill by providing them with positive feedback. This feedback can also be used when trying to master a social skill or a behavioral skill. The feedback needs to be strategically delivered and goal-directed. We can refer to areas that specifically need improvement and let the student know exactly how to improve. Various forms of feedback can include verbal, nonverbal, and written. A verbal feedback would be using your voice or a device to talk. A nonverbal feedback would be a gesture or a head movement. And written feedback could be written on a board or a piece of paper. The feedback should also be timely. The feedback should occur directly after a behavior. The feedback should be genuine and meaningful and age appropriate. Feedback given to a student should never be demeaning or treat them as younger than they are or older than they are. This type of feedback will help to maintain or increase appropriate behaviors. Students will choose to engage in appropriate behaviors because they know they will be reinforced. Research supports that positive feedback will overall increase academic and social skill mastery. An example of a type of specific positive feedback would be a teacher saying to a student, I see you are working hard to be kind. Thank you for sharing your supplies. This is directly after a teacher would notice a student sharing their supplies and you are specifically commenting on the student being kind. This could be a classroom rule or something that they're working on as a goal. By seeing that the student is being kind, we are directly reinforcing it by saying thank you and we're being specific. Thank you for sharing your supplies. This has been a very broad overview of HLP number eight, providing positive and constructive feedback to guide students' learning and behavior.
The next HLP we will be discussing is HLP number 15, titled Provide Scaffolded Supports. This HLP is in the category of instruction. It centers on the temporary supports set in place to assist students so that they are able to successfully complete a task independently and with high success rates. Teachers can use a variety of supports ranging from visual, verbal, and written assistance. Some examples of varying scaffolds are images, sentence frames, graphic organizers, prompts, reminders, modeling, questions, and hints, among many more. Each scaffolding support is designed for the individual student and their unique needs. They should be used flexibly, their effectiveness should be evaluated, they should be gradually removed once they are no longer needed, and they should be planned prior to the instruction of lessons. Studies have shown that reciprocal teaching, collaborative reading, and other key scaffolding procedures lead to increased academic achievement. One example of the implementation of HLP 15 in the classroom would be providing students a handout with key information already highlighted. This type of scaffolding helps students easily identify main ideas and other essential information until they are able to recognize that information on their own. The next HLP that we will be discussing is HLP number 18. This one falls in the instruction category, and it is to use strategies to promote active student engagement. This is critical to academic success, and student engagement is one of the things that needs to be focused on in order to ensure the success. One way to increase student engagement is to build positive relationships between the student and the teacher. Another strategy is to connect ideas from the lesson to real-world situations. Relatability and how it affects students' lives can really increase or decrease their participation in the lesson. Students need to feel a sense of belonging, and by relating this information to something that is relevant to them, they will be much more willing to engage. Other strategies that can increase student involvement is the use of technology, student-assisted teaching, teacher-led lessons, and student-regulated strategies. An example of student-assisted teaching is cooperative learning or peer tutoring. An example of teacher-led instruction is differentiated responding opportunities. And an example of student-regulated strategies is self-management techniques. Teachers should also focus on utilizing positive feedback and corrective feedback. By reinforcing students, they will be much more motivated to participate in the lesson. Research has shown that engagement revolves around four main questions. The first being, how do I feel? This refers to the student's level of enthusiasm, joy, and pride. The next one is, am I interested? Is the student feeling represented in what they are learning? Is it something that they can take ownership of? The next factor is, is this important? Is it worthwhile to the student? Can they relate it to previously known knowledge? And lastly, can I do this? This refers to self-efficacy. Students need to feel challenged, but also need to feel supported by their teachers and others around them. An example of a lesson that teachers can use to involve students and increase their motivation to participate is by doing a mock election at school. This leads to more civic engagement, it's a great activity to teach social science and history, and it's relevant to current societal events. Students will have the opportunity to learn about the voting process, which can lead to a bigger discussion about how history has impacted the voting system. It is important that teachers remember they must make content relatable and important so that the student feels engaged. In summary, we have covered five of the 22 different high leverage practices and how they affect the success of students. Thank you so much for listening.